morning. How's everybody doing? Are you ready for some football? Okay. Well, we'll get you out in plenty of time. We're only going to be here a few more hours. It'll be, it'll, it'll go by quick. You'll never know. Earlier this week, I was uh, spending my weekly time on Facebook, and I got involved in something that I, I, I never do. I know everyone says that, but I really, I never do this. But uh, there was a, a discussion going on about a particular topic I'm not even going to mention because I just don't want to talk to you about it later. <laughs> but I made a comment <clears throat> because I had a friend down in Georgia who was, you know, kind of leading this discussion, and he used a word, a really important word, he used it in a way that I didn't think it was very helpful. So I was trying to help him out. Probably should have done it privately. Did it publicly. And I got sucked in to this conversation. And I'm, I'm doing the back and forth response. It's, it feels like an argument. It really wasn't. It just felt that way. And the whole time, I'm, I'm texting in, you know, my, my responses. I'm going, why are you doing this? Why, why are you doing this? Stop. Stop doing this. Don't push send. Don't push send. Oh, you pushed send. Every single time, four or five times, I responded and I went through that same process because I don't believe that anyone has ever changed their mind on something that's important to them through a Facebook conversation. I know that's not how people are educated. They just, people just want to argue and, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that kind of person that argues on Facebook, but I was. That's who I was in that moment. And I don't know if you can relate to that. Have you ever found yourself in a moment where you kind of go, this is not who I want to be. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm doing this. Why am I shouting right now? Why am I using this language right now? Why am I doing this? And we have this tension between the kind of person that we are and the kind of person that we really want to be, the person that we're pretty sure we were created to be. You ever felt that? Maybe it's... uh, a gap in, in your experience of life. You kind of look at your life and you go, this is, this is not what I had in mind, you know? When I graduated high school, when I graduated college, when I got my first job, I, I thought things were going to end up like this. When we said, I do, I thought it was going to look different from this. And you're in this situation where you're going, I, this is not the life I, I really wanted. I'm looking for peace and joy and purpose, and, and those just seem elusive. So we have a couple of options when we run into this gap we can either just decide to solve it on our own. Like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going I'm to reach my goal. Or I think what oftentimes happens is we just say, well, that's not actually realistic, I guess. I guess me becoming that kind of person that I have in my head, that's probably just never going to happen. It's, it's, it's an unattainable goal. Or, or the life that I really thought that I was going to have, a life of peace and joy and purpose, I don't think that's even real. And we give up on it. Well, Jesus in John chapter 10 came along and said, there's a thief out there who is set on stealing and killing and destroying. He's set on destruction. But I came that you would have life and have it abundantly abundant life. Is that what you're experiencing? Are you experiencing abundant life? A life characterized by peace? You lay your head on the pillow every night and you're okay. You're content. You can sleep because you know it's all going to be okay. You wake up every morning with this joy, this gratitude at the life that God has given you. 
And, and you go about your day with this sense of purpose, that you're here for a reason and it matters. That's abundant life. That's what Jesus is talking about. Is that, is that what your life looks like? Or is there a gap between what you're experiencing and the abundant life that Jesus came to give you? I think the fact that Jesus promises it means it is attainable. So if you've given up on that, if you've just decided, <laughs> I don't think that's even realistic, that's not a real thing, I'm here to tell you today, it is. Jesus promised you that he was leading you to a place of abundant life. So my hope for you today is that you will pick back up on that idea and that destination for yourself and that you'll be convinced that you can take a step in that direction today. This tension that we feel is not something new. Paul actually talked about this in this letter that he wrote to the Christians in Rome. It's called Romans. Really creative, isn't it? And uh, in chapter 7 of this letter, Paul goes through this whole conversation. It reads like a Dr. Seuss book. It's, the things that I want to do, I can't do. And the things I don't want to do, those things I just keep doing. And I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I do want to do. And it's really fun to read. But it also really resonates with me. I kind of go, yeah, me too, Paul, me too. I I don't do the things I want to do. And I I do the things I don't want to do. What am I going to do? And then chapter 7 ends. And are you glad that there's a chapter 8? So what does Paul have to say at the end of this conversation about this tension between who you you are and who you know you were created to be? Let's dive into Romans chapter 8 and find out the rest of the story. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hey, maybe that's all you need to hear today. Maybe you could just pack up and walk out because that's the truth that you need. Please don't. It's awkward and my feelings will be hurt. But maybe that's all you need is there is therefore now no condemnation. If you've thought that all these things that you've done in your past, that God is holding that against you, that he's mad at you, but you've made Jesus the center of your life, Paul is saying there's no, God is not mad at you. God is not condemning you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Paul is creating a contrast between the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh is what he would kind of call the sinful nature. This thing that you're born with that makes you put yourself at the center of your life. So today we're going to call that self. And on the other side of that is life in the spirit. The spirit of God. This holy ghost that we're talking about uh, during this series. This spirit of God is another option for you. You don't have to live with self at the center. You can live a different way in relationship with the Spirit of God. Let's continue. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So he said, this is kind of a mental exercise. You get to decide, am I going to set my mind on myself today or in this moment or in this decision, in this relationship, in this job or am I going to set my mind on the Spirit? Now, why would, why would we choose the Spirit over the self? Well, he's going to tell you, verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, 
To set the mind on the flesh is death. That, that's your answer right there. That's why, that's why you don't want to choose self. Because self comes with this finality to it. Like there's this, there's this absence of the things that you're after. You know the abundant life that Jesus said that he called us to, that he came to give us? That life of peace and joy and purpose cannot be found by setting your mind on the self. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. This is the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, and it's only available through the spirit of God. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I, I, I think we all want peace with God. Maybe you came in here today not even sure if you believe there is a God, but if there is a God, you know you want to have peace with him, right? And Paul's saying, you, if you put yourself at the center, you can't have peace with God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Paul's saying, there's, there's good news here. You're, you're battling this self-centered living your whole life. And the good news is, if you're in Christ Jesus, if you've, if you've decided Jesus is your only hope, you've looked to him for forgiveness and redemption, then you, you're not a prisoner to self anymore. You, you have the option to live by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God makes this life that you were created for possible. He says, this is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Are you going to look at that Holy Spirit and say, I'm afraid you can't help me? No. He has the power to raise the dead. Of course, he can give life to your mortal body. So how do we get there? How do we do that? How do I embrace this relationship with the Holy Spirit? Paul would say, die to self. Die to self. How do I see more of the Holy Spirit's work in my life? helping me do things that I couldn't do on my own. Die to self. How do I know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me and not just this inner voice that's really just me talking? Have you ever had that doubt? Of course you have. You, you've prayed and you tried to listen for an answer and you, you think you're getting something, but you're not sure if it's you or the Holy Spirit talking. How do I know? Die to self. Die to self. What does it mean to die to self? We, we have... The self and the spirit are both fighting for space inside us. They can't share it. They can't coexist. One's going to win in every moment, in every decision. One of them is winning. Have you heard the parable of the two wolves? There's an old Native American story. A grandfather is talking to his grandson, and he's saying, there are two wolves that live inside of you. One is evil. He, he just wants anger, malice, pride, insecurity, selfishness to control you. The other one's good. He, he wants love and kindness and peace and humility and service to control you. And these two wolves are fighting in you all the time. And the boy looks at his grandfather and says, well, which one, which one's going to win? The grandfather says, the one that you feed. The one that you feed. That's not too far off from what Paul is saying here. You, you have this option. You can live by self 
or you can live by spirit. You have a choice to make. Because you are in Christ, you have this option to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So how are you going to do that? Which one are you going to feed? So let's take a look at what it looks like to feed the self versus the spirit. Let me get these so you know what we're talking about here. Okay, that's the self table. This is the spirit table. What, is it, what does it mean to feed the self? So let's just go through a couple of scenarios. How do you react when life doesn't go your way? You, you didn't get the job you wanted or the promotion you wanted, or maybe you actually lost your job. The relationship that you were banking on, that you've invested in, seems to be falling apart. You don't have the finances that you wish you had. How do you respond when life goes your way? If you feed yourself, we're going to feed ourselves some mint Oreos. Self is very happy. If you feed yourself in that scenario, you're internalizing everything. You're making yourself the center of this problem. You're going, it's not fair. It's not fair. Why does this always happen to me? Why, why is God mad at me? Why won't God listen to me? Why won't God give me what I want? Do you hear self in there? Why, why did it have to rain today of all days? I had plans. We're self at the center. That's what that looks like. How do you manage your finances? Is it an opportunity for you to make a choice between self and spirit? If you feed yourself, then your mentality is, all right, this is how much we have, and so we're going to spend on what we need, we're going to spend on what we want, and if there's anything left over, maybe we'll give that away. So we feed ourselves some bread, because dough. That, that's my mentality. It's, this is all about me. The income that I have is all about, about me. How do you treat people that you really, really like and respect and you think they're wonderful and awesome? If you're feeding self, then your mentality is, I really want you to like me. I, I think my status would be elevated if you respected me. And so every time I'm around you, I'm like, please like me, please like me, please like me. And I'll do whatever I have to do and say whatever I have to say and dress however I have to dress to get you to like me. And that's, that's feeding self. What, what about how do you treat the people that you don't really like and you don't respect? Well, we have a couple of ways that we do that. One way is to, to say, if I think I can use you in some way to benefit me, then I'll, I'll give you my attention just to leverage that for my benefit. But you better know that you're really blessed to be getting my attention because I have a lot of more important people I could be talking to right now. That's, that's self. Or we say, um, I, that person can't benefit me in any way, so we just ignore them completely. They don't exist to us. And that's, that's feeding self. What, what happens when we feed self in scenarios like this? What are we doing to the spirit? We're starving the spirit. It's no wonder if you're living over here that you can't hear the spirit of God. That when you ask, when you pray, when you go on your knees, that you, you just feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. You're getting nothing from God. You have starved a voice. If he were to shout out loud to you, you wouldn't hear him because you've, you've starved him out of your life because you've been feeding yourself. So what does it look like then to feed the spirit in this scenario? It's going to be very different. The self, Paul says, is already dead. This is the mental game that he's telling you you've got to win. You've got to understand the self is already dead. And though he, but he acts like he's alive. So the self is basically a zombie, right? And what, what do zombies do? Do they ever get enough to eat? 
No, they're always hungry. You've seen the shows. I've, I need more brains. That's all I need. Just eat more human brain. Like, they're never satisfied. Yourself is never going to be satisfied with what you give it. It will take and take and take and take and give you nothing back. But what about when you feed the Spirit? How do you respond when things don't go your way if you're living in a relationship with the Spirit of God? It's, it's to say, I don't like this. I don't understand this, but I trust God. I mean, he, he's the one who redeemed me. He's the one who saved me. When it, when it comes down to it, if I could see it from God's perspective, the thing that matters most in my life is that I am a child of God, and that hasn't changed. No, I didn't get the job, but I'm still a child of God. No, this relationship isn't going the way I want it to, but I'm still a child of God. I trust him. I'm going to feed my spirit. How do you manage your finances when you're living with the spirit as the center relationship in your life? You recognize that everything you have is not really yours. It's all his anyway. And, and so thank you, God. I'm just grateful, God, that you've blessed me with what, you, what I have. And, and I'm going to use it. I'm going I'm to take care of my family, and, and we're going we're gonna to enjoy life. But we're also going to live very open-handed, God, if there's anything that you can do with the resources you gave me that is, that is going to bless somebody else or meet somebody else's need. It's yours. It's yours. Take whatever you need. Because I trust that the one who gave it all to me to begin with has plenty more in the bank. And he can give it to me again if he wants to. How, how do you treat people that you really like and respect and admire and people that you really don't respect and you don't like the same way? If, if the spirit is a central relationship in, in our lives, then my response to you regardless of how I feel about you, is love. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. I'm going to do what's best for you, even if it costs me. That's living by the Spirit. And the difference is, when I feed the Spirit, what, what happens over here? I'm starving the self. I'm starving it out. When you feed the Spirit, you, you get so much better at recognizing that voice in your head. Is that, is that you talking, or is that the Spirit of God? When you're feeding the Spirit, you get so much better at that because you're starving the self out. And the Spirit doesn't just take and take and take. The Spirit gives. What did verse 6 say? Romans 8, 6. The Spirit gives life and peace. The peace that you really are chasing in life. The joy that you know you were created to live with. The purpose that you're longing to drive you every day is a gift from the Spirit. And when you feed the Spirit, the Spirit gives you back peace and joy and purpose like you could never experience anywhere else. And it starves out the voice of self. If we're going to embrace this relationship with the mysterious Spirit of God, we've got to starve the self. Again, it still sounds simpler probably than it really is, but I, what I want us to focus on is taking one step in the right direction. So here's a couple of steps that you can take. First of all, win the mental battle. The mindset. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? I, I, I find that in the times when I'm thinking most about myself, about what I want, what I need, what's going to make me happy, I end up feeding myself. My actions tend to go where my mind already is. But if I'm thinking about what, what does God want? What, what am I created for? How, how can God work through me today? Then I feed the Spirit. 
So when the battle of the mind first, it's half the battle. The other half is relational, and it's who are you chasing? Who are you chasing? Let's uh, read a few more verses in this passage from Romans 8, uh, verses 14 through 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit, this relationship is our proof. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul calls the Holy Spirit the seal of our salvation. This is the proof that you have been bought and paid for, redeemed, adopted. This relationship is what you hold on to. And just like any relationship, we have to build it over time. This is not a flip, a switch, a flip, switch. You can't just turn the light on and expect it to happen overnight. (laughs) You build this relationship like you build any relationship. And how do you do that? What's the key to relationships? Oh, you're going to get a lot of answers here. One of them is trust. Trust. And trust is built by testing it and finding that the person on the other end is reliable. I have a great trusting relationship with Chick-fil-A. They have proven to me again and again. I went the first time when I was in high school. My sister took me to the Chick-fil-A at the Greenbrier Mall uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. The first restaurant in a mall ever, by the way. Did you know that? Chick-fil-A. And she said, you've got to try this chicken sandwich. It's the most amazing thing ever. And I tried it. And I was like, you're right. I think it's the most amazing thing ever. And so I went back. And I got great food and great service in a clean environment. And, and I thought, oh, that's pretty good. The next time I wanted a sandwich, I thought, well, I got, I got Burger King or McDonald's or Arby's or I could try that Chick-fil-A place again. I went back. And I got great food and great service in a clean environment. And now, anytime anybody talks about going out and getting a sandwich, I'm like, let's go to Chick-fil-A. Because I don't know what we're going to get at the other places, but I know exactly what I'm going to get at Chick-fil-A. I'm going to get great food, great service in a clean environment every time. I've built this trusting relationship over time with this restaurant. It sounds weird, I know, but it's a thing, okay? We have to build this relationship with the Holy Spirit by trusting the Holy Spirit a little bit at a time. You just say, maybe I'll give him control of this much of my finances and we'll see what happens. We'll see if he gives me back some peace and joy and purpose. Maybe I'll give him control of of this relationship in my life and we'll see what he gives me back. Maybe I'll give him control of my career and what the next step is for me in my career, and maybe he'll, he'll give me back peace and joy. And every time the Holy Spirit comes through and he gives you back and he gives you back and he gives you back until you end up one day with this relationship where the, the voice of self is dead and all you can hear is the voice of the Spirit of God. Doesn't that sound good? It's a matter of trust. It's a matter of dying to self. I just talked with a friend this morning, and I uh, hope they don't mind me sharing this, but just said they're ready to adopt a little girl. They've been kind of hesitating and putting this off for a long time, and he said, I know it was because of self. That's the only reason. The only reason I was putting this off, the only reason I was saying no was self. I decided not to say yes to self anymore, and now they're going to adopt a little girl. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it amazing what can happen, what God can do when we die to self? We engage in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amazing things can happen. And this is the point where a lot of people kind of go, yeah, but 
some of these things, some of these habits, these behaviors, this lifestyle, I think it's just who I am. I, I don't know if it's something that can be changed in me. Um, I used to have a terrible temper. You're going, used to? Not uh, Yeah, used to have a terrible temper. Uh, especially when I was competing, if I lost, i get really mad. And I just always thought that's just who I was. I, I used to be redheaded. I don't know if you can tell that. But um, I was always told, well, redheads just have a terrible temper. Anybody ever heard that or ever said that to somebody? Don't say that. Don't tell, don't tell a redheaded kid that ever. Because what they take in is my temper is who I am. It's part of my identity, and I just believed that for a long time. So every time I would lose at something, at a sport or an argument, I would get so mad, and I would say things I didn't mean, and I would do things I would regret until I got to a point where I realized my temper is, is damaging relationships in my life. I can't, I can't play church league basketball anymore. This is terrible. <laughs> and I said, what if, what if God can actually change me? What if this is not who I am? This is, this is me saying yes to self, and I've starved out the voice of the Spirit in this area of my life. What if I started letting God change me? And he has. And now I, I can lose at things. I don't like it, but I can lose without losing my cool. I didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that in me. I never could have changed that. And the things that are in you, you can't change them either, but he can. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So you are not a prisoner to your past. You are not a prisoner to your habits, the things that you've always done, the way that you've always been. You're not a prisoner to your Enneagram number. You're not. You don't get to use that as an excuse. Well, I'm just a passionate person, you know? And so you just run over people that get in your way. Well, that's, that's no excuse. Well, I'm just a creative and I don't do well with structure, so you're late everywhere you go. That's not an excuse. You're not a prisoner to that. The Holy Spirit can change you. He can, he can turn you into a reflection of Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what he wants to do. You're free. Whatever you were before you walked in here today, you need to know that you're free from a self-centered life. We're going to go back to this verse, Romans 8.1, where we started. Because again, maybe this is all you needed to hear today, and so we're going to bookend the message with this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Will you read this with me? I think this is important. You need to know this is true. I don't know if you've been carrying around some guilt over some things that you've done in the past. I don't know if you think God is mad at you because you haven't lived up to his expectations. I don't know if you think that he's always judging you. But if you're in Christ, this is the truth. Will you read this with me? Let's read it together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not condemning you. If you're in Christ, all he can see is Jesus, his righteousness, he loves you, and he can take you from where you are to where you know you were meant to be. Which one are you going to feed? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit, this incredible gift, this incredible opportunity to have this relationship that can change us from the inside out, that can, can take us from, from who we are, from who we've been, to somebody that, that actually reflects the nature and character of Jesus to the people around us. 
The fact that you can do that, sometimes it's hard to believe. But God, I'm convinced that if, if you can raise Jesus from the dead, you can change me. And I pray that every person in this room leaves with that knowledge and conviction today. That we don't have to stay where we are. We don't have to be a prisoner to our past. God, would you remind us today that in the spirit, we are free. We are free to become exactly who you created us to be. In Christ's name, amen. What I hope for you, as I said at the beginning, is that you will leave here today being convinced that abundant life is possible and you can take a step in that direction today. That a life characterized by peace and joy and purpose is absolutely possible. It's in your future because of Jesus and his spirit. And you can take a step in that direction today. I don't know what that step looks like for you. I don't know if there's an area of your life, one of the things that we mentioned, your, your, the way that you look at your experiences, your circumstances, your finances, your relationships. Maybe, maybe in one of those areas, you just need to say, I, I'm gonna say no to myself just this once. I'm gonna say yes to the Spirit and let's just see what happens. If you need to take a step like that, that's between you and God. I pray that you'll do that this morning. Would you go ahead and stand? You know, we're gonna sing this song and... and I'm going to ask you to, to take this before God. God, who, who is it that you want me to be? What's one thing that you, you are working in me to change? And how can, I, how can I deny myself, die to self today and take a step in the direction of your spirit? Just take that before him. If you want somebody to pray with you or, or pray through this along, alongside of you, you can, you can come down. We'll pray with you during this song. You're welcome to do that. If, if you're at a place where you're not, you're not really in Christ. You've never really said yes to Jesus and made him the center. And this whole talk about the Holy Spirit seems distant. You can take a step to be in Christ today. And if you want to talk about that, come on down while we're singing. I'll be happy to talk with you. Take this prayer before God. What, how can I close the gap between who I am and who you created me to be? Let's do that as we sing.